Don't watch it with your girlfriend. She will end up pregnant. Radio Drome. Welcome back to Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the one, the only, the deadly prey himself, Peter. Yes, right. That's right. And he's pretty chill tonight, as you can see. Fred is back because we're continuing from last week. Thank you for having me back. So before we get into this, guys, you know this, go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, you get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Last week we were talking about actors we just love, people, actors we will follow into any project, whether it be a gem or a turd. We started talking a little bit more than we wanted to, so we had to break this up into two. What was really funny is I asked the audience to send in suggestions of who they think the rest of our lists will be. A lot of great suggestions, none hit the right ones. There was a lot of Jeffrey Combs and John Saxon and Andrew Devoff, a lot of good choices, none of them quite made our list. Personally, Jeffrey Combs probably would have been in my top ten, though. That was almost on my list, for sure. I, I love Jeffrey Combs. He was Me on too. my list, uh, as was uh, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance was always a good... I mean, even in something like Puma Man, Donald Pleasance still elevated that whole production. <laughs> well, the the Great Escape. I, I can't tell you how much... Uh, everybody is so awesome in The Great Escape, so... Fred, we left off with you, so mm. who is another actor that you would follow anywhere? Well, you know, you were saying about uh, movies we love them in and uh, movies that, uh, that are not so good that they're still good in. Boy, does this guy qualify for that list, and it's Lance Henriksen. Yes. Who almost Lan made my list, too. Yeah, Lan Lance is... Now we're getting into, we had mentioned about the concept of intensity, actors who just exude a certain dangerousness. I think Lance embodies this maybe better than most. This guy, much like Kurt Russell, big part of my, at least my teens for sure, uh, this guy popped up everywhere. Uh, he was in The Omen 2. He was in Prince of the City. He was in this little horror film, which if you haven't seen it, you probably all heard of it though, called Nightmares. Canadian movie, really worth checking out. I think his segment's the best. Him as a priest and versus a demonic bronco. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if it's demonic. It's just driven by Satan is all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Satan's bronco specifically. He's a big off-roader. And so. Even like smaller roles he shows up in, in like big movies where he's not necessarily the star. Like when he shows up in Dog Day Afternoon. Dog, you know, he's nothing, excellent in that. I agree. In fact, uh, his small role in Omen 2, he's chilly. He gives you the creeps and he is he not does. in that film long. And you know what? I think I'll just skip ahead to the movie I alluded to the last discussion, the movie that made me love Lance Henriksen, where I just said, I have to see 
everything with this guy in it. I had seen him in Terminator. I'd seen him in Aliens. I'd seen him in The Right Stuff. But it was a movie called Near Dark. Won me over. We brought it up because it had Bill Paxton. It's It's got a great cast. They're all great in it. A lot of the people from Aliens popped over into this film. Same producer. Smaller film. As I said on Movie Apocalypse episode, when I was growing up, I didn't like vampire stories. They never intrigued me. I thought they were silly and over-romanticized. When I saw Near Dark, it blew my mind because it was kind of how I would think a vampire could survive. You know, they would be these romantic, rich, uh, it'd be parasites, you know, feeding off society. Lance Henriksen steals that movie. Every line he delivers as Jesse is chilling, intense, and yet you cannot get enough of this guy. There is a story that he has told a billion times about how him, Bill, and I can't remember her name from Aliens. Jeanette uh, Goldstein. Thank you. Vasquez. just drew a blank and I felt Vasquez. I know Vasquez. I couldn't think of the (laughs) actress. They were all in a car, and this was, of course, between shooting, and they were heading to set, and a cop pulled him over. Lance was driving, and Lance stayed in character. Oh. And they said, we're going to get shot. And Billy Paxton was like, uh, dude, he's he's an actor. He's just kidding. <laughs> it's not real. But that's how scary Lance came off. Like, oh, he was intimidating the police officer. <laughs> so this is a guy that just has that burn. For him, you can almost know why. He has a fascinating – if you ever get a chance, go look up his bio, his life. He even wrote a book called uh not bad for a human this guy was so interesting he was illiterate until he was 30 years old really yes he was a school dropout he worked on like ships because the term was sea ape (laughs) uh just basically a grunt he only knew enough to sign his own name one day he decided he was going to audition for a play because he was kind of growing tired with the life he was leading he actually improvised the role because he could not read the sides and got the part, had a friend read the entire script into a tape recorder, and he just listened to it over and over and over. That's when he actually started to learn to read at the age of 30. He also is one of those actors that sometimes goes a little too method, like with the near well, dark the story. <laughs> yeah. After Dog Day Afternoon, Sidney Lumet cast him in Network. He was just a, a sleazy attorney trying to get the terrorist group their own reality show. He decided this guy would probably be gay. So to get into character of a gay lawyer, he put on pantyhose and smeared Vaseline up the crack of his ass so he could feel uncomfortable like a gay man would. And I'm like, not quite sure that's how that works, Lance, but if it worked for you, good on you. It, it put him in like that more special like something place. A trans man might do. That's what. But that's I, what. I he, that's how he said he got in the character. For the, for the character, sure. Or I'm if you're just, going in for a catheter test. Yeah. Or if you're just a weird. <laughs> f- I don't know. Lance Henriksen, I totally agree with you, Fred. He he's one of those actors. He's been in some real crap. I'm not going to deny oh. that. He's never crap though. I've never seen him give less than a hundred percent, even when the role absolutely does not deserve it. That Amityville I, I, sequel he was in was pretty much awful, but he made it work. <laughs> him and him and Byron James both made it work really well. He he is the best of so many of the movies he's been in. If oh you yeah, watch Stone Cold. He's the best thing in Stone Cold, as far as I'm but concerned. But I Brian oh, Bosworth was Bosworth. cool in that movie too. I I think they they played uh, no, off no, no, each no. other. No 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 no. I'm not picking on him. I'm not picking on Brian. I apologize. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying I watch it for Lance, not for Brian. Oh, yeah. Well, he's easily one of the, the coolest, like, villains in an action movie, 
period, even though that was like kind of a, a smaller film, his role as, as Chains is so memorable. And it plays off of, you know, Brian Bosworth as, you know, big built action hero kind of guy. And then you've got Lance who's very like rough edge and they play off each other perfectly in that kind of opposites, uh, dynamic. Like that movie works so well because of that, because they're so different. I agree. And I think it's that intensity also that makes him a great good guy, plays a good guy. He brings that extra dimension. Oh, I, yeah. Michael Ironside's the same way. You know, you, you dig him as a hero, like for Ironside to be like Ham, Tyler, and V. For yeah. Lan- for Lance, he will probably, even though Jesse is still the character I, I think I love him the most for, for Near Dark, now, no doubt, part two would be, uh, role two would be, uh, Millennium as Frank Black. TV show could not have worked with anybody else in the lead. No. I, I mean that. There are so many movies where you could say, yeah, I could see this great actor in it and that great. That show does not exist without Lance as Frank Black. Only he could have, in my opinion, pulled off that dark and light. You, you needed the actor that could do both. The ironic thing about the Millennium thing is he wasn't the one Fox wanted. Chris Carter had yeah. to fight for him. They wanted, and it's a good actor, they wanted John Hurd in that role. John Hurd's a good actor. My God, I cannot see him as Frank Black. No, no, John Hurd's a fantastic actor. Completely agree. He is not Frank Black. I also love that story that Lance and Chris Bo told about when he, when he first started on the first day, Lance tends to talk with his hands and his arms. And Chris was like, Lance, you, you've got to stop that. <laughs> this, this character is not animated in any way. So, so uh, Lance had to really internalize Frank even more, which is why he acts so much with the way he says his words, with his eyes. So every little mannerism counts with that character. It's, mm. it's a great show and very, I hate using the word underrated, but it is. It, it, it is underrated. So, well, the first. Yeah. And I really, I really hope they come back and do a proper final season of it especially with i mean it seems like the new x files is being well received and i think chris carter said if it does well he'll do a, a send-off to millennium which i hope is true i'm i i have a i just talked to josh about this a week ago that you know as much as that part of me does agree like i'd love to see it i just have this fear they'll just destroy it too so we still get to see lance henriksen again though oh true True. He'd come back and I'm sure he'd do it. They can't screw it up any more than the X-Files episode Millennium did. Well, yeah. I remember that one with the, uh, the zombies or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Millennium (laughs) group is is, is all zombies buried around a cabin for some reason. Uh, You know what? I, I love that episode because it's like a, it's like a B movie almost. You're fired. (laughs) <laughs> you're about the only one who loved it Duchovny hated Lance it Erickson, like fighting zombies and and shit. like it's, yeah. it's hilarious and, and Lance hated that episode Duchovny hated that episode fans hated the, you're the only person who liked that I appreciate it for its silliness <laughs> Lance Henriksen and zombies what the f- do you want live a little and i'll tell you what let's cap lance off with this if you want to see a movie barely anybody has seen that's really good with him in it check out delta heat i knew it's you him, were gonna bring that Anthony up edwards i love delta heat that movie is so it's not like the greatest plot but lance and anthony edwards play off each other so well it's the sequel i wish that really would have happened i and lance has a hook sure. for a hand lance <laughs> loves that character lance loves that character and i agree that that one needed a sequel so I'm going to go with a man who, and I used this term when I was talking to Fred off mic, one of the biggest movie chameleons ever, and that's Eric Roberts. This guy can play anything. 
He can play a good guy. He can play a bad guy. He can play a crime lord. He can play a cop. He can play an abusive husband. He can play a loving husband. He can play a creepy stalker. He can play a good Samaritan. Eric Roberts can play comedy. He can play straight. He can play drama. He can play science fiction. He played the master in Doctor Who, for God's sake. I really don't think there is a role Eric Roberts cannot play. I could see him playing a woman, and I would still buy it, because it's Eric freaking Roberts, you know? <laughs> I, I agree. Eric Roberts is awesome. He is, he's consistently good at whatever he's in, you know, be it, um, be it martial arts stuff. Why the can't I remember the, the name of it? Best of the best. He's, he's great in that. He really, he'll, he'll get into shape for a role. He, he can be funny. He can be dramatic. He can be quirky when it comes to stuff like, like the coat, like lesser known stuff like Coca-Cola kid. He's always good. He always delivers a very memorable performance. He can be, he can be sleazy and, and douchey, like, um, like the way he is in the, in the specialist. He's all, he always delivers an impressive performance. I'm, I'm always baffled by why he isn't the bigger Hollywood star and Julia Roberts, who is, it pretty much, I honestly don't think could act her way out of a paper bag is the, is the one that's the Hollywood equivalent. Like I never understood that because Eric Roberts always had, had something different to add. And when he would, it would always be consistently excellent. Already been said, I think, and I, I gotta bring it up since I was just doing Lance. We got to bring up the title bout, Nature of the Beast, Eric Roberts, Lance Henriksen. Which one of them is a serial killer? Really worth seeing just for those two uh, powerhouses acting off each other. But uh, I think for me, it's always going to be the Pope of Greenwich Village. Um, they're going to take that, my thumbs. They're going to take their thumbs. You know, there are movies out there that people loud for performance. Hollywood, you know, they love to toot their own horn. But I got to say, that's one of those movies that as far as performance-wise, acting, it, it it was everything the critics were saying at that time. And Eric Roberts, uh, as Patar just said, how this guy wasn't the biggest thing ever will always be just perplexing. You look at somebody like Burt Reynolds had this time where he was just king of the world. You know, uh, lots of different actors have been king of the world, but Roberts never quite got there. And you, this is the guy that had the chops, though. You know, I'm not saying Burt can't actually act. I'm just saying, comparatively, Eric mm. Roberts has the goods. Absolutely. He has the goods. Part of the problem, I think, that Eric Roberts had of why he wasn't bigger I think the way Joe Dante put it perfectly, Joe Dante was talking about John Carradine, but I think this applies to Eric Roberts. He wasn't very choosy about his scripts. Eric Roberts seems to take any movie that comes with a paycheck. For instance, right now, in 2018 and 2019, he has 51 movies currently either filming or in post-production that he appears in. Oh, 51. Man. He's in 18 more that are in pre-production. That, it, it kind of shows he's not the most choosy about what scripts he'll accept. And also the fact that, which I guess this also goes to that chameleon thing I was talking about, where he can be in an Expendables move, the main villain in the first Expendables, and then he's doing Sharktopus. And then, <laughs> and, and then he'll be a villain in a Batman movie. And then he'll do a Lifetime original movie. And it's kind of like, okay, you're kind of all over the map here. Eric, are you an A-list actor or are you a TV movie actor? It seems like he takes any movie if the check clears, and I think that might be a, what held him back. He's just a working class actor. Like he's yeah, a, just a working actor. He'll, I think, he does it just for not only the the love of it because he considers it to be his job. 
You know, it's like, who is he to, who's he to turn down a paycheck and a script if, you know, somebody's willing to pay him to, to do a job and he's going to show up and do it. He's going to do it to the best of his ability. Yeah. I agree. Gene Hackman does the same thing. Yeah. They never know what's going to hit and what isn't. So that, that's, I'd almost admire him a little bit for that, but it obviously went the wrong way. I mean, uh, I mean, Nick Cage does the same thing, but I don't think he's quite like Eric Roberts where Roberts will put in a great performance every time, but I think Nick Cage knows when he's in shit. Because well, he'll Nick Cage either is also broke. Yeah. Well, he'll either ham it up in a movie or he'll like will get very boring Nicolas Cage. But every now and then he'll obviously do a, a picture that he he believes in and he thinks he thinks is interesting and it's something he wants to put forth the effort in. Like when he did Bad Lieutenant or recently Mom and Dad, you can tell we got a good Nicolas Cage in that one. Whereas Eric Roberts, doesn't matter how low the budget is, doesn't matter how shit the script is, always puts in a good performance. I, I just wonder what the mentality is of, of you know one week working on a Warner Brothers Christopher. Nolan Batman movie or like a Stallone movie, which I think that's also Warner Brothers. I might be wrong. And then the next week you're on a Roger Corman movie. I, I wonder how much, I wonder how much whiplash that takes as an actor, you know? Evidently not that much for him. He seems to like it. But I, I just always, Eric Roberts, anytime, anytime I see him in a movie, I know at least his character will be good. And there are so many movies where I, I feel like, why are you wasting, remember how we talked about like Michael Ironside and stuff? You're wasting Eric Roberts. Why is he just the cop character that comes in every now and then and has 15 total minutes of screen time when you've got these two giant blocks of wood as your main characters? Yeah. Make the cop the main character, damn it! It's Eric Roberts. Don't waste him. One of the funniest Eric Roberts stories is, have either of you seen Chillerama? No, I don't think so. No. That's it, a, it's, a, it, it's a, like, isn't it like a creep show type movie? Like anthology? Yeah. yeah, it's an anthology film. He plays General Bukaki in a giant sperm attacking New York City in that segment. <laughs> and how they got him, they were talking to his wife. The, the, uh, I think it was Adam Green was talking to his wife and she was like, oh, he doesn't really like it. And then, and then he saw, I'm, my name is General Bukaki. He said right there, I'm in. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about him that he knew this was going to be a fun role. Although funny enough, when, in the movie, when the giant sperm explodes, everybody gets a, you know, goop of sperm in the face, you mm-hmm. know, which is, you know, just, you know, KY jelly and stuff like that. It's funny how the General Bukaki character, you can tell it's not, Eric, that you can tell it's another actor covering their face. On the commentary, they mentioned that when he saw that, he goes, yeah, I'm not doing that, and just walked off set and left. (laughs) Now that is Eric Roberts, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Peter, your next choice? I'm going to go with Fred Williamson. Good choice. Fred Williamson is just always consistently awesome. Um, Like, if I find out he's in something... I'll check it out. He's just, he's got this natural air of, of badassness to him. I mean, and, and this goes back to his early days with, you know, with Larry Cohen oh, doing, super Black, doing Black Caesar, doing Hell Up in Harlem, Harlem, all these movies, uh, all these like black exploitation kind of movies. And, you know, even if he shows up in uh, like a regular, like Italian action movie or an American action film, he always, he's just always cool. Like, you know, he's awesome in Bronx Warriors. He's awesome in, in Warriors of the Wasteland. You know, his, his little role that he shows up to play in, uh, From Dust Till Dawn is great. Even the, the Starsky and Hutch remake was shit. 
he was fun as the captain. He was one of the, like, I watched that movie, I remember, back when it was recent, I found out Fred Williamson was in it, so I checked it out, because, because I had always liked, um, a lot of his, a lot of his earlier works and stuff. He was one of those, um, more kind of not quite A-list actors that I was into uh, at an early age, so I would, I would try to see anything he was in. So he's always been, always been one of my favorites. And just because of that, that, that consistent level of badassery that he brings to the screen. And especially, I, I, my, my favorite is, uh, one of my favorite stories regarding like his movies is like when they, when Enzo G. Castellari did his Inglorious Bastards movie, which, uh, no duh is, is where Quentin Tarantino got the idea for his Inglorious Bastards movie, at least in title and kind of in plot. But Fred Williamson was in that movie as not necessarily as the main character, but a, a central enough character. And they repackaged the film as, as a black exploitation action film retitled to GI bro cut together with some more B footage or, or B roll footage and deleted scenes to make it look look like Fred Williamson was the main character, which which he should have been because he honestly actually outshined uh, whoever the dumpy kind of chubby uh, Italian washed up actor guy playing the lead was. <laughs> Fred Williamson was way way cooler than than anybody else was in that movie. He, he's just a guy that shows up and he's always uh, always awesome. And there's a there's not a lot. Not a lot more I could say other than that, but I mean, I've, I've always really, really liked the guy and I was, uh, was trying to think of, of entries for my list that weren't super obvious, but were also ones that, that do resonate a lot with me. And, and thinking back to it, yeah, Fred Williamson, no matter what, is, is something I'll always, uh, I'll always check out. I'll, I'll check out, um, anything, anything that he's in just cause, cause it's awesome. And also, this is a, I wanted to spotlight the 96 movie original gangsters, which was kind of his, uh, he went back to working with Cohen for that one and seeing the, uh, seeing the King Cohen documentary reminded me of that one because I remember that one being, uh, being really fun. And just, there's a lot of movies that, that he's done that a lot of people likely hasn't seen because he's another one of those, at least throughout the, the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, he was, he was in something or at least two things like almost every year. Like he, he is a consistent, solid working actor. And I, I doubt I've even seen, like, I doubt I've seen all of his movies. I doubt, I doubt I've seen like, like 60% of his movies. Like I still need to see like a shitload of stuff. I'm, I'm sure some of it is going to be weird slogs to sit through, like the weird uh, Christian propaganda Christmas movies that he's been doing as of late. But even those, I kind of want to check out to see if, if Fred Williamson is a bit badass in them. He, he's not. I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he isn't, <laughs> but I'm sure it might be fun just for the cringe of it. He's kind of working the same way Eric Roberts is, where he'll he'll sort of take on anything, I guess, because he's not necessarily an A-list guy. He's not even, I don't think he's ever really been a B-list guy. Like he's, he's a, he's a Z to C actor. So he's kind of got to take whatever is thrown, uh, thrown his way and he'll, he'll take it with, um, with the level of charm he brings to the screen and he'll make the character work as well as he can. And he'll just always be, he'll always be Fred Williamson. See, to me, there's always two things I remember him for. You talk about movies nobody's seen. Remember the Black Cobra trilogy he starred in? And he was like Gosh. Black Punisher. Yeah, yes. three of those. And I'll always remember him in Warriors of the Wasteland when he's killing, I don't remember if it's George Eastman or the other guy, when he calls him a sissy faggot. <laughs> And he's got the, uh, he's got the, the, the bow and arrow with the, like the exploding tips and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome in that. Like, he didn't kill George Eastman. That was the other guy symbolically rammed a, a, a spike that was attached to a car up George Eastman's ass because George Eastman's that was payback. earlier. 
in the yeah, film. Yeah, that was payback. That was payback. That was payback for some raping, man rape. I thought that was New, new Barbarians. Oh, wait, that's the That same is title, New Barbarians. It? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, the same alternate, movie, different title. Yeah, yeah, alternate title is Warriors of the Wasteland. Okay. I mean, it's it's it Italy. It's got like 300,000 million yes. different names. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yeah, Fred Fred <laughs> Williamson, he always brings a level of cool and awesome. It seems Even like in his ten- interviews, like you like uh, we had both seen King Cohen. Every other and my girlfriend was watching the the documentary a bit with me and we're watching all these all these different interviews it shows cohen and it shows eric roberts and everybody else everybody else looks very normal they're just sitting there you know you know with their arms down they're talking they're telling their stories and fred williamson is the only one that like jazzes it up in his interviews for some reason he's sitting there he's, his legs are kind of crossed he's kind of got a swagger to him he's holding he an unlit cigar for some reason he always does he, he, this... he also in the badass cinema documentary mm. on black exploitation he also was holding an unlit cigar it's just his that's thing, amazing I guess. It's, it's a fred williamson thing i don't know why he does that i don't know if he's doing it to be funny or ironic or if he like genuinely thinks it looks cool or whatever but i fully endorse it it's fantastic he's sitting there in like the the form-fitting action black t-shirt and he's holding a, a cigar and he's just he's just cool like the way he he carries himself and presents himself he doesn't care how old he is and he's honestly aged really well he doesn't look that that different from how how he did in like from dust till dawn or original gangsters or even in the 80s like the guy has obviously kept in shape and he still looks like the awesome badass that he was and he he conducts interviews like a boss he he completely stands out from if he does like a documentary or an interview piece he he stands out from anyone else that's being interviewed because he's the guy sitting there with, with a fucking unlit cigar for for some reason and it's it's glorious let me just say i think this really has been almost all said but i'll say that when i think of fred williamson the man is the epitome of style yes they say that the definition of cool is someone that is doing a maximum amount of work but making it look effortless yes that's fred williamson the only film that is because i was going to if I was asked, I was going to bring up Inglorious Bastards. If you haven't seen that, you've got to. It's really awesome. It's no wonder it stands out with uh, Quinn. And we're and and, to the people listening. We're talking GI Bro Inglorious Bastards, not Tarantino Inglorious Bastards. Yes, Enzo yes, G. Uh, Castellari. Just yes. for the one spelled correctly. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's the bastards, of, not bastards. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, is a it, this is an odd film. I'm not saying it's a great film, but I think it's a fun movie that should be seen. I'm a big fan it's cool. of. Um, uh, no, not this one. I'm talking about the, the, this other one. It's uh, by my boy Antonio Magaretti, and it's called <laughs> Take a Hard Ride. It is definitely the Italian black exploitation western. Mm. Uh, Lee Van Cleef. Fred Williamson, come on, do I really have to spell that one out? Jerry Goldsmith does the score. Check it out. It's I don't think I've really seen this worth, one. Uh, it's, it starts off really slow. Stick with it. It's worth the ride. It's it's a really cool little film. It's And it's got the Margaretti miniatures. And that, to mm. me, that sold me right there. Well, Fred, your next choice would be? Now we're getting into, I think, the actor's actor. This guy... You want to talk the chameleon? This guy, you would think he'd be one type of role, one type of character his whole life. And if you go through this man's career, it's really hard to find him playing the same person. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just harder than you think. And that's Stacy Keach. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Stacy Keach is an actor that I'm telling you has never 
stopped ceasing to amaze me. Just when I thought, oh, just when I thought this man was done, retired for the most part, you know, too old to really keep going. He did the TV show Titus, which is the funniest goddamn thing I've still ever seen on TV. Okay, it might be Christopher Titus's name up there. He might be, you know, the basis of it, but you will watch yeah. it for Stacey Keach. The one that got me, the, what got me into Stacey, uh, you might not have known this, I'm into detectives. I was going to say, it's got to uh, be Mike Hammer, man. It's Mike Hammer, man. Of course it's Mike Hammer. I was 12, you know. <laughs> he, he's the, Here's the thing. <laughs> it's Mike Hammer, that's what it says, but he's not playing Mike Hammer. I'm sorry. I can, I've had arguments with people. He's really playing Philip Marlowe. If you've read the books, Mike Hammer's a bastard. I mm. mean, he's a bastard in the books. Philip Marlowe was more the white knight. I don't care. <laughs> I love him <laughs> and Hammer. It was a fun show, at least the original run. Some of the later, when he brought him back, was good, too. The uh, 90s the, stuff was a little, you know, uh, it was a little uneven. I, I remember yeah. the, late, the 1997 series. It wasn't bad, but there was some bad in it. Oh, it, it's the, the production quality is all over the place it we, we won't go too much into mike we could have an episode on mike hammer he was a great performance and again humanity to this character too much for hammer honestly uh again it was more like marlowe i liked him right away and the one-two punch that got me into him as an actor was i saw a movie on hbo and this is the film that that locked the deal for him as an actor for me was road games i don't know how many of the listeners saw my show movie apocalypse but there's a reason i had to do road games as an episode your show I is what introduced movie. me to that movie too oh cool That's like, actually- that was and i was really um like i was blown away that was a great movie that is it's one of those films you you see this and you kind of go how do i not how come nobody talks about this jamie lee curtis and you know stacy keach if you know your australian cinema grant page is the villain richard franklin the director who was you know just this the world's largest hitchcock affectionado which is how this film came into being because it's basically rear window in a truck like it better than rear window uh, again, there was something I got in some arguments with people about, but I don't care. Stacy Keach makes this, and I just was like, wow, this is not my camera. Right then and there, I knew this was a guy to watch, and then the third movie that I saw him in was The Ninth Configuration. And if William you Peter Blatty, man, yeah. Oh, if you haven't seen this movie, you got to. This film is so insane. I I can't even really do it justice in the time we have, so I won't try. Well, okay, just I, I, see I just it. Want to, I want to say something about my configuration. Stacy Keach. I mean, he's good in it. Don't get me wrong. He's actually so low key in it, which is what his character needs. Mm-hmm. That he, in a way, gets overshadowed by the batshit insanity going on around him. <laughs> uh, and and when he does finally explode, it's just as scary as you think. Yeah. Um. The the original title of the story was Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. I still think that's a better title. Really worth seeing. And uh, again, I just can't say anything more about this guy. He can become anyone. He can do anything. And he's freaking funny to boot. Really make you laugh. He's wry. What a great voice. There's a reason he's been used in many cartoons. Oh, Uh, yeah. He was Batman Mask of the Phantasm. He's the voice of the Phantasm. What can you say when you just have nothing but appreciation? He's done it all. He's said it all. He's performed it all. And he knocked it out of the park every time. I I also got to add with Stacey Keach, he's up there with Sam Elliott and Burt Reynolds. He is just weird when he has no mustache. 
yeah. he looks wrong. It makes well, he him has look that uh, cleft he had he had no mustache and I think it was he didn't have one in American History X, did he? Because no, you could no, see no, more of his like no. hair lip in that one. Yeah, no. Which I think added to the creep factor of of his character in that. That's that's a really memorable one in in uh, for me because he's incredibly hateable in that movie. Oh yeah, without a doubt. But he, he also... really dials the dials the asshole bigot piece of shit factor, and it works. So goddamn well. But it mm-hmm. also, and I think this, it, I think this also plays more to what Tony K was going for and to Stacey Keach's acting ability. Mm. The motherfucker is charismatic as this evil person too. He is, He's yeah. super charismatic and you can see why so many people follow his hatred. That's but right. He's, he's a preacher. He is a showman preacher and yeah. he is preaching his, his bastard gospel. Gotta have that performer that can do it absolutely yes. you've yeah. got to so yeah great actor uh there's so many movies he was i, I think some people know him from the cheech and chong movies as sergeant stadenko <laughs> <You're my laughs> uh, and he is he is great as that as well he's more of he's not the straight man in the second what time he appears but he's the total no. straight man and the fact that First when i when i interviewed peter jason he said a lot of that banter between stadenko and the other detectives was all ad-libbed and you really can't tell because it was like he lost himself and started Sergeant Stadenko. Yeah, I heard a lot of stories about Nice Dreams that many scenes he was just coming up with ideas himself for things for for the character, and I I totally believe that. And again, if you if you want someone's career to try to follow, you know, not all the movies are good. People, <laughs> there's a lot of dogs in there. Like any actor, there's a lot of dogs. Dang, this guy just is always good. He also looks really weird in a ponytail. Thank you, class of 1999. Or body bags. <laughs> <laughs> well, body bags, he had more than a ponytail. That's, class that's of 1999 skip, was, was cool. He was, he was almost the, uh, evil scientist from Mega Man in that movie. Yeah, and he, he had those eyes that were, yeah. you know, I mean, yes, I know it yes. gets revealed he's an android at the end, but you kind of guessed it pretty early oh, on. Oh yeah, right off, right off the bat. I assume that was just common knowledge for the movie. Well, then my next pick would be, I don't even think we got to spend a lot of time on this because it's just it, Danny Trejo. I don't care how bad the movie is. I will watch Danny Trejo in anything and he always elevates it. Danny Trejo, I know from fan experiences and interviews, he's one of the nicest guys on the planet, but he really looks like a guy who will kill you and rape you in that order. And he really plays that well in these movies. With, uh, with 23 counts of rape. It'd be Johnny 600 if they knew the truth. <laughs> and see, he's, he's always so good. I don't know why he, he's kind of like with Eric Roberts. Why was he not a bigger actor? I mean, he's stuck in this low budget crap room. I've seen him in so many garbage direct-to-video movies that clearly are made on like you know a thousand dollar budget and it's like why oh, is God, Danny Trejo not more made well with, known uh, with, with uh, Danny Glover called I think it was just called Badass they made a couple was, of those uh, it was based on that dude that um that like war veteran that beat up a guy on a bus like yeah. several years back and yeah. it was just a pile of shit. like even not even Danny Trejo or, or Danny Glover could save that movie it was just balls but Denny Trejo is always good. I always love when I see him pop up on some television show, like, you know, one episode on NCIS, or he was on a Monk episode in prison and stuff like that. I remember when he was a CIA, oh, sorry, plot spoiler, he was an undercover CIA agent playing as someone in the drug cartels on Sons of Anarchy. Always was awesome in that, because you never knew. Even once you found out he was an undercover CIA agent, you kind of go, I still think this guy might kill me just for fun. 
one too. <laughs> so I, I don't think we got to spend a lot of time on this. I'm going with Danny Trejo. I'll watch him in anything. Uh, I think the movie's called Point Blank, and it's with uh, it's a Michael, no, not Michael, uh, Mickey Rourke movie that he made, kind of right before he got really, really ugly, but when he was still kind of super built from when he was doing his boxing stuff, and it's it's an weird like uh, act, I'm pretty sure it was directed video action movie where uh, Danny Trejo's character is a villain in the movie. He's one of the main villains. Like they they hijack a a prison prison bus that's like escorting them to the next prison and there's like bad guys that take that over then they go take over a mall and mickey rourke is a he's like an ex cia soldier motherfucker something or other and he has to go and stop them he's the one-man army and it's almost like kind of die hard but danny trejo is is the stealer of this film he plays a completely coked out shirtless like like cartel badass dude with a shotgun and he's just fucking insane throughout the whole movie when he's not messing people up he's doing coke with some like half naked chick down by his leg and and there's just scenes of him sing zen while he's all coked out holding a gun like on his in his lap and he's just like staring into space because he's He's been doing like so many lines and shit throughout the, throughout the course of their time in this mall and he's just getting more and more fucked up and messed up and he's just shooting people for no reason. Like this is like, to me, the, the ultimate Danny Trejo role. Again, not much to, to add. He's uh, one of those actors. He's consistently good. Came from a troubled past in and out of jail and drug addiction and mm-hmm. he actually in becoming an actor it helped save him from that away from that life he wanted out of it i, I saw an interview with him and he he just was like this is this i'm gonna die you yeah. know and i don't want to so he even said that he he thinks the way he looked contributed to why he was so angry all you know and like oh i look at you so i must be a bad dude so it's well he literally looks like that lobo from dc comics well, my final pick is someone that I'm surprised no one said to you. I'm shocked. I've talked about him. I ran his website. And uh of all these actors we've talked about, he's the one I think didn't get the fairest of shakes in the end. You know, Eric, he had his shot. You know, all these guys are known to some degree. But this is the guy who he himself will say he's that guy, as they say. Mm-hmm. And that's Tim Thomerson. Another Tim, near-dark alumni. I, uh, Come on, this can't be an accident, right? Um, it's <laughs> it's funny. The, that the, movie is that good. It is that good. By the way, I did not pick these people because <laughs> they're dark for a side note. Um, because I didn't know you were doing, uh, Bill Paxton. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Tim is someone, again, what do you, how do you keep saying it? We're saying the same thing. He's an intriguing performer. He has a wild life. If you ever get the pleasure of speaking with him, ask him about how he got his start. I mean, he started as a stand-up comedian. Really? Uh, yeah. One of his favorite parts is, uh, actually is a stand-up comic in Twilight Zone. I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's one where he's a stand-up comic in hell. Oh my god. And so he could, he could relate to it. Uh, he studied under Stella Adler. Oh my god. Famous, you know, actor, a- acting teachers in, you know, there's, there was Stella Adler and, oh no, the one Marlon Brando was under. Oh. It doesn't matter. So these two, and Cell Adler's one of the big ones, and he studied under her. He was a, he, and in fact, to pay for classes, he was her limo driver. <laughs> and I asked him, was that really cool? And he goes, no, I was her slave. <laughs> 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 Why? 
wild career. Best friends with Brian, oh, from Blade Runner. What's my, my brain? Brian James. Brian James. Brian James. Thank you. That was his buddy. They had a, a weird, you know, like in and out. They were both in similar films sometimes. Uh, well, even well, yeah, for, you, have, you have Brian James with uh, Blade Runner. You have Tim Thomerson with Nemesis, which to me, Nemesis is an equally excellent uh, cyberpunk Brian James is in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, right. They're together. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they, they they're, their characters are partners times. even. <laughs> yeah, yep. What a what a wild career. And as yeah. he said himself, he had his I was the sleazy guy for a while. Then I was the Vietnam guy for a while. And then I became ah, the Valor. tough guy. Yep. Uncommon Valor, which is on my list here. He is the character of Chip is so cool in that story. He's the he's kind of the heart. Of yeah. the group. Fortunately, he told me there's a lot of scenes because he's the one that falls in love with the, uh, the girl in Vietnam. Yep. Mm. And he, he told me about the extended part of that story. I, w- I hope we get a longer cut of that movie someday. He said there is so much cut out of that film. You wouldn't believe it. That movie um, just made me wish that it was about those characters in Vietnam. Like well, see, I think that would have been a better movie than what we got. Even though Uncommon Valor is excellent, but I would have way rather seen uh, these characters' actual tour. One of the things with Uncommon Valor is, I've read an interview with Tim eh, three, four years ago now in Videoscope magazine. He was saying that Uncommon Valor is one of the reasons his career didn't take off. He had two offers at that point. He could do Uncommon Valor, which was a relatively low-budget film and ended up bombing at the box office. Mm. Or he was offered the part of Sergeant Harris in Police Academy, and he turned it down because he wanted to do Uncommon Valor. He thought it was the better script. He laments that his whole career trajectory would have been completely different had he taken Police Academy. Yeah, he would have. I think he would have ended up as an A-list actor for sure. Because that would have given him, like, like how many police academies are there? Like, 15? Would have given him, like, a contract deal. 15. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, he was almost Sergeant Harris. Oh, man. But I I love him in Uncommon Valor. Like, it wouldn't have been the same movie. I'm almost kind of, in a weird way, I'm sort of glad he stayed C to B level. Because would we have gotten all the movies that he did after Uncommon Valor and stuff like that? Would we have gotten all these great characters? Probably not. He probably would have just ended up as, like, the Hollywood A-list straight man who plays the grumpy police captain or the grumpy office boss or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm weirdly glad. Like, obviously, I'm not glad for him financially, but I'm glad because of the characters we ended up getting. No, I'm happy uh, at least cinematically for who we did play. That's exactly what I was going to say because, you know, Police Academy as far as I'm concerned is only one good movie. <laughs> the rest <laughs> are kind of guilty pleasures. Yeah, that would have given him plenty work, but, you know, I've looking at his filmography, he's not stopped working. He would have definitely been more famous, but then again, did, did what was it, Bailey, G.W. Bailey, did he really get any bigger himself uh i mean no, admittedly I he was so. he, he was older at the time admittedly but i just I, I think between the two roles i'm thankful he is an uncommon uncommon valor i think he fits that group they're all misfits that's yeah. the whole idea i i'm glad he went on the path he did because of course i won't spend time on it you all know the movie that got me really into tim thomerson if you've listened to us on the show at all it's transfers i love that movie i still love that movie i have the blu-ray <laughs> Are you saying Blu-rays. that Lester and Cherry 2000 didn't do it for you? <laughs> I'm telling you, I love Lester, so don't you dare go knocking that movie. I love uh, Cherry 2000. For me, it was uh, his villain he's in great. Nemesis, but yeah, he's great in Transfers. State of the art, Alex! 
everything. And again, this is another guy. He's been in more comedy than I think people know, though. I, I mm. really think he is known more as the tough guy because of Jack Death, Brick Bardot and Doll Man. The lesser scene of the Empire films that I I really, who knows, there might be a new show on the way, and this movie might be highlighted. You never know. Metal uh, Storm? Film, no, not Metal Storm. <laughs> oh, gosh, not Metal Storm. He, he's uh, in it. He is in he's it. He's in it, and he's fun, but oh, that one, oh. <laughs> No, it's Zone Troopers. Yes. The Iron Sarge, man. And that's practically a Trancers reunion movie. Oh, okay. He's the same writers, same producers, and pretty much all the same actors worth checking out. In fact, I call it the, the Thomerson Band Trilogy, which is Trancers, <laughs> Dollman, and uh, Zone Troopers. They're all worth watching and so much all fun. All three but, are yeah, awesome. Like, they that's are. A, that's a triple feature night right there. Then you're going to have a great time. Don't watch it with your girlfriend. She will end up pregnant. Um, <laughs> we're talking, <laughs> we're talking a tough guy, but you know, his, co- his comedic side doesn't get talked about enough. He was with uh, Richard Pryor in a couple of movies. He was in a movie called Take This Job and Shove It. Lots of fun in that. Uh, oh no, I forgot the other film off the top of my head. Oh, Car Wash. He's in Car Wash. It's not a big role, but it's a very sleazy kind of, hey, babe. Uh, that's back when he had the gaff in his front teeth, if you recall. Yeah. yeah so- I always remember, like, like why were all the women swooning over him? Kind of an ugly mo kind of guy in that. <laughs> in it, well, he's you know he's playing it that way. Obviously, he's really yeah. you know mopping it up and hey babe and it's it's he's suave. It's, yeah, but in the wrong way. Like a like suave like a video porn producer would be suave. But again, terrific actor done everything the amount of tv alone this guy has done is amazing but it's funny every time i go and check out movies where he's a smaller brawl much like tar was saying about one of uh one actor he was talking about it's always interesting to see how he pops the guy is always a stand-up performer he goes to work knows his lines does his job and it doesn't matter if he he's in a movie made for 295 or you know 295 million he gives the same quality performance absolutely Uh, Okay. I, that's why I love him. Good. 11, 11 years ago or so, and it was my first time seeing it, it was called Hands of Steel, a.k.a. Uh, Atomic Cyborg, a.k.a. Fist, a.k.a. Fists of... Shut up. Shut up. Let me get to it. It's building up to a punchline. <laughs> and it, it left me, it, that film left me with one line ringing in my ears that will probably be ringing in my ears on my deathbed, and that is, Raul Morales is the strongest. And the actor I'm spotlighting is George Eastman, real name Luigi Montefiore, who is a Z-grade Italian exploitation powerhouse. He's in so many of these movies. He's worked with so many directors. He's been in so many of these flicks that I'm sure you've seen him come and go at some point and you don't even realize it was him. He was even in, he was in freaking, um, Joe D'Amato's Porno Holocaust. He's in a in a film called Anthropophagus where he eats his own intestines. He's in a film that was um, loosely tied in with the Lucio Fulci zombie series titled Zombie 6 Monster Hunter, which is actually a loose sequel to Anthropophagus, which is actually also a ripoff of, of Halloween where he just murders people want- wantonly and he's awesome in it. He was in 2019 after the fall of New York as a giant ape man opposite to uh, what's his 
his name? The Blast Fighter guy. He, he also um, got a little rapey in that one, too. He was rapey in that one. He wanted to impregnate the last fertile woman so he could keep his race of, of ultimate monkey men going. And, and I think he actually succeeded at the end. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but there, there, no, was, right. there was some rapey right. stuff. There was definitely some rapey stuff. Uh, but he's, it's weird. He all, I mean, almost every movie I've seen of him, he's, he's dubbed over with an American accent, but the mannerisms he brings to the screen, his expressions, the way he carries himself, every character he plays is usually very different too. He usually plays the bad guys, but sometimes he'll play more of a sympathetic villain, somebody who's more, it's more of a circumstantial thing, like his character in uh, Blast Fighter, who's not super Willie McGee evil, but you can kind of see sort of where he's coming from. He, he's in like a hunting community, that that kind of thing. He's got friends that are that are doing sort of weird stuff with uh, with deer, and and they're obviously some shady cats. And uh, why can't I remember the? Good guy's name in that movie, Michael Sopke. He's the opposite to Michael Sopke in that movie. They're, they're, um, they were like best friends or brothers or, or whatever. And Sopke was in prison for a while and he comes back to town. His brother's running it. And it's this whole like hunting community. And, uh, they're, they're sort of butting heads. And it's, it's a great one. Blast Fighter is a very underrated action movie that's kind of a cross between like Deliverance and First Blood. And I think Eastman definitely shows his range in that one he is worked with the wasteland he gets the yes where's the wasteland i was just getting to that one he he rapes the main character in that movie um it's basically what i call uh lord humongous raping mad max and um that's obviously a very very ballsy move you you have a very 80s 80s centric america australia centric really more uh action movie that's very very much a take on mad max and you have the rough and tough manly hero get uh he gets power fucked by the villain why because Books. i don't know establishing Books. dominance maybe the villain is even gay he does have a silver streak in his hair who knows but eastman is incredibly intense in that movie but the the ones i i wanted to get to was, was not only that but he's worked with enzo g castellari a lot he's in the bronx warriors he was part of the writing and directing process for kioma which is a phenomenal franco nero movie that ended up uh, retitled in a lot of ways to Django's Great Return, but it's not a Django sequel. Never get that confused. It's a very different film about a half American, half native, native aboriginal, uh, first nations man, basically taken to war by his own brothers and for, from their prejudice and their racism against him. And, uh, Eastman had, uh, had to do with the production of this film. He, he had a hand in the writing, some of the, uh, I, I think he might have co-directed it. I'm, I'm wrong. I might be wrong about that, but he did write it. So this is a guy who is not only put in a lot of really fantastic performances, but he's comes, he's a good ideas man. Like you'll come up with some really great shit. It's one movie he was in. It's kind of a lost film. I think I need to. It, it was um, more of a, more of an Italian crime thriller. I just want to get the name. I, I had it on me a second ago. Rabid Dogs, and it's directed by Mario Bava of all people. This was a really really cool sleazy movie about a. It's basically a bungled robbery, and it's these criminals are, are on the run, and they've got some hostages. And George Eastman just plays a complete scumbag in this film. Like he is an utter piece of shit. Maybe one of the biggest biggest pieces of crap that he's ever played in a movie, uh, uh, villain wise. But it's it's a great like road Italian crime movie. Obviously, you've got the 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 artful directing of uh, Mario Bava which makes it stand out and it's kind of a 
it's kind of a lost film. Like even for even for George East a George Eastman movie, it's lost in terms of that. Like it's it's one of the harder to find movies. But I think I, I watched it in parts on YouTube like seven years ago. It was like in ten or eleven parts, and I was so glued to it. And there's so many memorable lines and moments, and it's it's weird and it's messed up and it's crazy and it's it's got that great Italian crime thriller. Uh, what what do you call it? Like pulley. Polizei, police, something, uh, type, type movies. Like it's that, that kind of movie. Like, like, uh, Beast with a Gun and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's great. So we did a documentary on that, damn it. Yes, we did. How do you pronounce that? Polizia Shetty. Polizia Shetty. Whatever. I'm Serbian. I'm not Italian. <laughs> By the way, that um, translates to shitty Italian movie. <laughs> not no, always. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mind-blowing charisma as Raul Morales. I know you guys always like to bring up Paco Querac whenever I bring up this movie, but it's it's not Daniel Green that that gets me watching that movie again and again. It's George Eastman, and because of that movie, I I was seeking him out in anything I found out that he was in as a bit villain, as a main villain, as a as a main character. I would watch because I I love his his charisma and his attitude and his range and even I don't think I've the only movie I've actually heard his real voice in is in Mario Bava's Rabid Dogs weirdly enough and he's he's still awesome he sounds just as awesome as I thought he would I, sadly I have not seen a lot of his stuff with the exception of 2019 after the fall of New York which, which he's great in and he's he's great in that one I almost wish he was the lead but then if he was the lead he wouldn't have been the part he was and I love him in so well yeah he he needed I, to be that weird uh giant monkey man he needed to, he made you care about him in a yes. weird sort of way and <laughs> he needed uh, to keep his species good going the the monkey men were dying He's a good actor. He is. I have not, unfortunately, seen Hands of Steel yet. Oh, my to. God. That's that's still probably my favorite thing. He plays a truck-driving arm wrestler, and this was pre-over the top. And also, Fred, John Saxon oh, wields a laser gun in it that's the size of a couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen great. a lot of clips. A it's lot. great. It's the same guy who made uh, 2019 as well. It's, it's Sergio Martino. So it's oh, got that great over-the-top Italian action exploitation vibe to it. It's it's just it's so much fun. I, I think you'd really enjoy it. Well, now my final choice. Last week I said I was going to throw out a spoiler in this for the whole thing because we're all, we're constantly talking about actors that are really giving a great performance and that really deserved better. This next guy I follow to anything, but I would really stress myself to say he's a great actor, and that is Reb Brown. Jacoda. I mean, Reb Brown, you tell me he, okay, he's both a charisma vacuum and su- sort of super charismatic at the same time. He's, he always kind of plays that super dumb guy, but for some reason he commands the screen. He's an enigma when it comes to actors, cause nobody could ever say Reb Brown is a great actor. I dare anybody to say you didn't enjoy the hell out of a Reb Brown performance. Frank Stallone showed up in it with some really shitty, like, Sasquatch movie that Night Reb Claws. shouldn't have, he shouldn't have been in it, cause the people who made it, I don't think, knew how to use Red Brown. He, he was never... a sheriff, and he dies halfway through. What he the dies hell? halfway through. He never fires a gun in screeching anger, ever. Not once. Never takes his shirt off, which I don't know if he's in the shape that he's that he's in, that he was in in the 80s. But still, you, you watch a Red Brown movie to watch him fire a gun, screaming very loudly, and being fun. He's not fun in this movie. 
And I, I don't think I just, they knew how to use Red Brown. I don't think they had ever seen him in anything. Well, and then he, he had a hard career starting out. I mean, he did a lot of TV as Furniture Man, Second Victim, <laughs> Frat Member, Second Young Man, Second Radio Operator, Lifeguard, The Weightlifter, Officer in Background. I mean, how, how, how did this man not have a bigger career? Okay. I, how do you I'm, go jo- from I'm joking, that but to suddenly motorcycle evil Knievel Captain America. Yeah, I, I really don't know how he got Captain America, but he, he was in the two seventies Captain America movie. Yes. He got to work because Christopher Lee was the villain in the second Captain America movie. He got it, to I work. think it was the second movie or maybe the first one, but there's a scene in one of those movies where he's, I've, I've watched both of them, both of them back to back. They, they kind of suck, but they're fun just because of him. Um, but there's a scene where he's undercover or something and he's in the middle of a park and he's painting a, a portrait of like his cat. I think that's, I think that's the second one. But I think I, that might be the I, second I one. And like one of the bad guys or something comes up to him and he's like, so what are you doing here? Why are you here? Cause that's where the cat is. And I remember having to pause the movie because I was in, in tears of how much I was laughing. I don't know why. I found that really random. That's why I, I also love this, the subtitle, Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. Death Too Soon. Like what? Exactly. And did that have anything that wasn't it, wasn't like a serum that like kills people or, or something? Because, uh, Brackett's no mad dog killer where uh, Christopher <laughs> Lee was, Christopher Lee plays a, plays a guy named Morales because of course oh. he does with Christopher oh, Lee. Of course. Oh, and people talk about the, the fucking Albert Pune Captain America being shitty. Like you have not seen the Red Brown ones for the I, I, love of God. God, that is such such a ridiculous departure from the character. He might as well not. He's not Captain America in that movie. He's just Crazy Joe on his motorcycle and his his bad spandex cosplay with ears painted onto his oversized motorcycle helmet. Oh. <laughs> but I, there's that. But I, there's I, that I mean, really pathetic one in the, that scene in the second movie where he throws his shield at Christopher Lee and it just kind of drops in front of him, and you're like, oh, oh, God. I, I love that it had that plastic windshield sound. Yes. Because <laughs> that sounds strong. That'll defend but I, it. But, I mean, okay. Red Brown, <laughs> in, in, in the last, you know, maybe five years, Red Brown has become like an internet meme. Yes, he became an internet meme, and that's where everybody he's, found honestly, him. He's but, been one since, like, Mystery Science, since people were space uh, unearthing the Mystery Science Theater episode of him as, uh, as something writer in uh space mutiny like i remember people like back back in like the myspace days would be like linking to clips from that episode like i think he's he's kind of always been a been an been a meme even before that term even existed i and i I agree but i'm saying you know like people i mean you're younger so but fred and i we grew up seeing him in the captain america movies first run your Mm -hmm. he was in howling 2 before i ever saw him in anything i saw him in howling 2 before before I even knew who he really was. Like, I hadn't seen Space Mutiny until later on down the line. But I remember just watching Howling 2 because I wanted to watch the sequel to Howling. And I ended up thinking it was a really weird movie. But this this weird screaming lunatic is kind of cool. Going back to Uncommon Valor, Blaster, he was their bomb expert. Yep. And he's good in that film, I'd like to play. He is actually. No, he, he is quite good, yeah. yeah. They knew how to use him. In Uncommon Valor, the scene where they're doing the, you know, sort of what Blaster's going to do, he's like, well, this explosion goes to this, and then he'll roll in the dirt, and then that triggers <laughs> this, and then he'll jump around and go, Wah! and then that well, triggers that was, that's this. That's kind of great, the, the line where it's like, then you got a Willie Peter, you throw it on the ground, guy walks over it, boom, blows his balls off! <laughs> 
he's great in the whole thing. But yeah, that's the funniest moment without question. Yeah. You know, yeah, the guy, the way he performs later, and I do blame the scripts, you know, and the type of films, but he, he definitely came off as more like this animatronic at Chuck E. Cheese that you put a quarter in and he just goes, Aah! You know, and then the next movie, somebody puts a quarter in. Aah! But there was a time guy could act. And if you go early enough, you'll find some real performances from him. Well, in, in all honesty, he was super badass in his Miami Vice episode, Viking Bikers from Hell, written by John Milius. <laughs> I mean, first of all, he shoots tubs. He, he gets shot like four times in that and just keeps coming. And he does do the... <laughs> Like three or four times in it, which at that point, parody? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, th- I don't know if I'd pick that one as the quote-unquote badass role of my advice. <laughs> but, uh, it's, hey, it's he was something. fighting for the honor of his prison bitch who Crockett killed. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, he's not. He's not. So he's Wes? <laughs> kind of. Crockett killed Reb Brown's prison bitch, so when Reb Brown got out, he needed to make things right. <laughs> I'm not kidding! You're not selling this as, like, genuine badass. You're selling this as, no. like, unintentional comedy gold. This sounds like something from the softcore career, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, you know... This is his mo- Strike Commando sequel, the proper one. D- Dave Dakota's first movie. <laughs> and, I mean, Viking Fikers from our... Uh, to me, the, the the weirdest role he ever had was the firing line with Shannon Tweed because he's got a giant porn stash in that, and Reb Brown so cannot make a porn stash work. So he's so weird in that movie. The Cage movies, where he has to pretend to fight in cage matches to save Lou Ferrigno, and he is so awkward and bulky, you just kind of go, this is an actual joke at this point, right? You know, so, I mean, Red Brown, like I said, I'll follow him to anything. I I, kind of don't like the fact that he's an internet meme because too many people are enjoying his movies on the wrong level. And yes, I know how snobby that sounds. Go back and watch his actual good movies or go and watch your as an actual film and not let's riff this. Because your is not that bad. I mean, okay, the action figure and stuff, but I'm just saying in general, it's not that bad. You know, it's always going to be your for me. I love that movie. It's, uh, again, Antonio Margaretti. You're in it for the Margaretti miniatures, and it does not disappoint. It's way too much fun. It uses a dinosaur as a paraglider, for crying out loud. I mean, it's so much fun. You, just you to cannot drop watch kick, uh, a purple caveman. Yes! With his theme blaring in the background. It's the cure for depression. I'm telling you. They start (laughs) showing that movie in in depression centers, and we're going to get those people out of there, man. They can be helped. Yours the man. There's a Blu-ray. There's a Blu-ray of it out now, isn't there? Yes. Red Brown does the commentary, too. Oh, my God. I can't remember what paper it was, but one of the major newspapers, like New York Times or Washington Post, gave a two-word review to the movie when it first came out. (laughs) Up yours. That was their sole review of it. And I'm like, that is dead on perfect, and I can't argue with you. I love it. These are actors we love. Obviously, there are so many more great actors out there. The three of us would follow anywhere we can. Well, we'll definitely have to do another another version of this episode down the line. Because there are a lot of other actors I'd like to oh, follow. Oh, yeah. I, I actually want, I want to do a female version. I want to yes, do the yes. actresses we'll follow. Because I really want to talk about Pam Greer. Because I love And just career. so people don't think we're cis white, sexist, whatever <laughs> terms, tumblers thrown around Except right now. Except we are. 
<laughs> so on that note, where can people complain to Peter if he would like? You can come just complain to me, do whatever. In fact, I just got a, a complainy comment uh, on my YouTube channel. If you'd like me to read it, it's really weird. This guy got really into it. I've watched multiple <laughs> reviews and can't recall which reviews you said Robocop is a perfect movie. This, this, by the way, has nothing to do with the video I just put out. Like this guy just decided to write this. This is for my Atlantis Interceptors review where I did not mention Robocop like at all. Robocop is a terrific movie. However, it isn't an objective perfect movie. This has more than six mistakes on the website. Movie mistakes, including plot hole. No damn way a funeral would happen a day later since have no arrangements make, which wouldn't happen in one day. I'm reading this exactly as it was written. A crew member is visible in one scene. It may be when Clarence is reacting after getting stabbed, etc. Also, if I recall, you said bird damage, shock and terror. Was it what the f***? was intentionally made a terrible movie, which is wrong. The director was inspired by the classic terrific movie, The Bird, and wanted to make a similar movie in that league and royally failed in the best way possible. He intentionally tried to make a great movie, and it was Moron. unintentionally awful. Like, what? I'm guessing this is all fuck? one sentence. This is just, well, he does have some spaces, but these parts here are like long-running sentences. Birds explode after crashing a main character with zero charisma, etc. Nothing logical or valid supports the director attempted to make an A-intentional off full movie for birdemic shock and terror this is uh this is a comment on my Atlantis Interceptors video. And for one, Jason Case from 21 hours ago, you're wrong. Robocop is a perfect movie. And uh, <laughs> you're wrong. The director absolutely did make Birdemic as an intentionally bad movie. There's no way you do that shit by accident. He saw the room. He saw the reception it got as a terrible film. And he, he went out and made a movie intentionally bad and then told people that he tried. This This is a shyster. All right. Yes. Uh, okay. This has nothing to do with our topic. So just it has nothing to do with our topic, really but it to has it. to do with uh, again. You know, you said people coming coming and complaining at me. Go ahead and do it. I'll put you on blast. I will. I will make you look stupid. And you you can do that on Twitter. Uh, you can do it on YouTube. Obviously, you know my videos are not private. I will not delete your comments. I will lead them up. I will leave them up. F I'll argue with you. I don't care. Leave your stupid comments. Here's my reply. By the way. Uh, <laughs> To everything he wrote, it was just okay in lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> you really put him in his place. I certainly did. <laughs> Find me on uh, on Twitter at Cinematic, on YouTube, The Cinematicist, on Facebook, The Cinematicist, on 1201beyond.com where I've got some shirts. We've got some shirts. Me and Josh have some shirts. Obviously, as I just mentioned, I have a new video up as a review of uh, Ruggiero Diodato's Atlantis Interceptors. Go check it out. Donate to my Patreon at Zinematica. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. I, I respond to comments. Um, you can say whatever you want. Uh, whatever. I don't care. Argue with me. I don't, I don't give a shit. Tell me Robocop isn't a perfect movie. Like, you're just lying to yourself if you say that anyway. Like, really? What's wrong with you? Fred, can you even follow that? Well, you know, if you want to complain to me. I'll uh, light a couple candles, play a little soft jazz, slip into a warm bubble bath while I read them. So <laughs> ah, the 1990s. Can, yeah, you could do this over at a little bit uh, of Michael Bolton background. Oh, you are you kidding me? Come on, a little Zamfir. <laughs> Uh, you can reach me over at the Movie Apocalypse page, Movie Apocalypse, I can't even say it, Movie Apocalypse page on Facebook, and hopefully soon is something else, <laughs> because there ain't nothing happening there. 
but uh, hopefully soon. And you can complain to me, as you often do, at 1201beyond at gmail.com. You can go to the website, 1201beyond.com, get stuff. You can leave snarky comments, and if it's snarky enough, I may destroy you on it, because I will tear apart your argument, your lack of punctuation, your inability to spell, and the fact that you don't seem to have English as a first language, yet you're from, like, Georgia. You know, so why I, do I that? love doing that. I, I find it's best to, if you're going to, like, respond to somebody who's being a dick to you, just, like, be unresponsive. Like, they've put in all this effort to, like, slam you in this, like, big post, paragraph, you're wrong because you and all you have to do is, like, like write, like, P-F-F-F-T, or okay, lowercase. So I think when people see that, they get, like, even angrier than, than if they see a long, like, eloquently written post. Because I think that's, that's the end goal that's of the day. That's all I can do, is, man. I think the, the, the end goal of the day is just pissing people off. And that's what we do, right? And piss people off. <laughs> I shriek like a banshee. Do, That's too. what people say. There's people so. who get get uh, get mad over some of the stuff we say, and I can't I can't imagine why you people really Peter, need to grow up. There are people there are people who listen to this show solely so they can yell at me about my opinions <sighs> that I expose on this show. They hate listen, and I love that. <laughs> so I need that, some more. I need some more hate watchers. They're fun. On that note, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.